That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Well, welcome everybody to the Water Cooler. I'm David Brody. It's Friday, October 23rd, 2020. And welcome to the day after, the day after the big debate between Trump and Biden. Uh, Look, the president was on top of his game, uh, combining a perfect balance of calmness and feistiness all evening. And yes, it did get feisty. We've got the breakdown. And speaking about feistiness, what the frack, I said it, is Joe Biden for fracking? Is he against fracking? Is he kind of sort of for fracking? Is he kind of maybe against it in a way? Anyhow, we're going to try to make sense of it all. And, you know, some are singing that song that you heard growing up, you know, that Biden song. Maybe you haven't heard these words exactly, but can we all sing it together, okay? Hunter and Joe sitting in a tree, C-O-R-R-U-P-T. Is that the name of the tune when it comes to the Bidens and corruption? Still a lot of unknowns, but it was a major part of the debate on Thursday night. As a matter of fact, I want to begin right there. The president tried to weave together Joe Biden, his son Hunter, China, and Biden's 47 years in Washington as a big old plate of D.C. establishment corruption. And joining us now to make sense of it all, our newsmaker today, the author of the book Profiles in Corruption, Abuse of Power by America's Progressive Elite. And by the way, Joe Biden and his family featured prominently in that book. Peter Schweitzer uh, joins us now. Peter, hey, thanks for being here. I know you're extremely busy. Thank you. Great to be with you as always, David. Thanks for having me. Well, look, uh, we're going to play some clips from the debate in a moment. But first, let me get your 30,000 foot overall view of the debate last night regarding specifically what Joe Biden said about the Hunter Biden email controversy. Well, the problem is, David, is that uh, Joe Biden has consistently changed his story. When we first broke uh, uh, the story in 2018 about the ties to China, the Biden campaign said, no, there's no deals. Uh, This is a fiction. Uh, Then when the deals were confirmed, they said, well, Hunter was just a minor player. Then when we demonstrated that Hunter was a major player, they said, well, Hunter really didn't, uh, you know, um, uh, make much money and he didn't talk to his dad about it. Now it's come out that he's talked to his dad about it. Joe Biden has asked about it. And his fallback, fallback, fallback position is, well, I myself never actually made any money. Um, they have repeatedly changed their story on this. I don't think we should take their word on any of this. Uh, and I'm just surprised that the media is not more, more aggressive in trying to actually get to the bottom of this story. Yeah, I want to get to the media's treatment of this in a moment. I do want to play what the president said. He confronted, obviously, Joe Biden last night. I want to play that plus Joe Biden's response to it. Here's the president first. All of the emails, the emails, the horrible emails of the kind of money that you were raking in, you and your family. And, Joe, you were vice president when some of this was happening. And it should have never happened. And I think you owe an explanation to the American people. Why is it? Somebody just had a news conference a little while ago who was essentially supposed to work with you and your family. But what he said was damning. And regardless of me, I think you have to clean it up and talk to the American people. Maybe you can do it right now. I don't make money from China. You do. I don't make money from Ukraine. You do. I don't make money from Russia. You made three and a half million dollars, Joe, and your son gave you. They even have a statement that 
we have to give 10 percent to the big man. You're the big man, I think. I don't know. Maybe you're not. But you're the big man, I think. Your son said we have to give 10 percent to the big man. Joe, what's that all about? I have not taken a penny from any foreign source ever in my life. We learned that this president paid 50 times the tax in China, has a secret bank account with China, does business in China, and in fact is talking about me taking money. I have not taken a single penny from any country whatsoever, ever. I have not taken... Peter, he says he hasn't taken money from a country uh, but hold on for a second. Words matter. That doesn't mean he wasn't taking something somewhere else from possibly Hunter or another area of uh, a, bank, a, a bank account somewhere. Yeah, I mean, as I talked about in my 2018 book, uh, Secret Empires, I talked about how corrupt officials, including the Biden family, offshore their corruption. And what I mean by offshore their corruption is, you know, offshore bank accounts may be part of that. But the other way in which they offshore corruption is the political figure themselves does not get the money, but their family benefits. Um, and the, the bottom line is, as far as the law is concerned, whether you're talking about bribery or corruption, it does not matter if the money ends up in the pocket of the political figure or in the pocket of their family members. Um, if it's being done in exchange for favors, uh, it is bribery and corruption every bit as much as if it ended up in Joe Biden's pocket himself. So. You know, he may be technically correct. I don't know. I, I don't place much confidence in what he says uh, anymore because of the manner in which he, uh, you know, continues to obfuscate. Uh, but the fact of the matter is his family members, while he was vice president, took in lots of money from Ukraine, from China, from Russia. And let's be clear, David, they had none of these deals up until Joe Biden became vice president of the United States. It was only then that these entities wanted to do business with the Bidens. And what I've always asked, David, is what are the Bidens actually selling? I mean, Donald Trump has, you know, hotels and all kinds of operations around the world. Michael Bloomberg, who ran for president, he sells information and has deals around the world. We know what they're selling. What are the Bidens selling? They don't have expertise in these areas. They're not bringing money to the table. And Joe Biden has never answered the question, what is his family selling when they're doing these deals overseas? Peter, what does it mean that this story has actually broken through finally? I say finally, you've been talking about it for a long time, but the, the mainstream media, and I say mainstream, let's face it, the liberal media uh, just won't go there. And they finally had to. They've been, they've been dragged, kicking and screaming to cover this thing. What's your, what, do you, what do you make of that exactly? Yeah, I mean, it's remarkable. I mean, look, I've said from the beginning uh, that if this was the Trump family, that the media would be all over it. And by the way, I would agree with them. Uh, that it should be looked at. It doesn't matter who does it. But there is this, you know, selective nature now. I mean, think about this for a second. The Russia collusion arguments, um, how many articles were written based on a uh, really unsourced, um, unverified dossier put together by Mr. Steele. It was paid for by Hillary Clinton. Nobody had, had access to that information, but the media ran with it. What you have in the case of the Bidens, in contrast, is you've got corporate records, you now have emails, you have WhatsApp communications that are demonstrating these deals are going through. And yet they rely on this dossier because it, it fits what they want to believe already. 
but they say there's not enough evidence in the Biden case when there's 10 times the evidence in the Biden case, Mm -hmm. 100 times than there ever was as it related to the Steele dossier. Well, speaking of evidence, we're getting news today that the FBI is now going to sit down with Tony Bubalinski related to all this. I know the Senate Homeland Security Committee and Ron Johnson want to speak to him. What do you make of the latest news that the FBI is now going to interview uh, Tony Bubalinski? I I think it's terrific. I think the best thing uh, for Tony to do, I, I met Tony Um, spent time with him, saw the information. Uh, He's extremely credible. Uh, The information is compelling. I think it's an excellent idea for him to sit down with law enforcement, with DOJ, with Senate committees, as many people as possible to sift through this. Because look, you've got his information. You've got the Cooney emails. That's the, the, the business partner with the Bidens who is now in prison, who has given us access to his Gmail account, which we've been going through. Then you have that whole question of the New York Post and the laptop. I don't really know much about that other than what I read. But the point is, is you've got all these sources of information everywhere. They need to be collated by by serious people in law enforcement to really try to get to the bottom of it. So I think it's a good idea for him to sit down and do this. You know, Peter, the president wants a special counsel uh, to investigate all of this before the election. Uh, Now, I think the truth of the matter is we we got 11, 10 days or so before the election. Probably not going to happen. doesn't look like Barr is going to do it. But what do you make of some of that news that the president wants to see this special counsel investigation or some movement before the election? Yeah, I mean, I called in 2019. I said the Senate uh, Senate committee with subpoena power should subpoena Hunter Biden to come and testify and explain the commercial transactions he was involved in and why he was party to those deals. Uh, because these are deals that are with Chinese state companies. His deals, his involvement with this investment fund, remember, Chinese government-funded investment fund, he's on the board of directors. They are doing commercial deals in the United States that have national security implications. They're buying technology companies that have dual-use technologies that have military application. So this is not just sort of random corruption involving a family member. This has very real national security implication. I said the Senate should have subpoenaed him last year uh, to start getting him on the record precisely why he was party to these deals and what he brings to the table. Again, he is put on the board of directors and becomes part owner of a Chinese uh, uh, funded investment fund funded, funded by the Chinese invest uh, by the Chinese government. He has no background in, in China. He has no background in private equity. Why is he there? Um, there's no explanation similar to the case of Burisma. He's there because his father is vice president in steering U.S. foreign policy towards the country, which is paying his son. Less than a minute left uh, here. I know you're going to stick around for another segment, but less than a minute left. What, what is your sense about uh, this? the big guy, right? Joe Biden's the big guy. I mean, where there's, is there a smoking gun here specifically about Joe Biden at this point actually getting whatever it is, 10% X amount off the top? We don't really have that connection quite yet other than what Tony Bobolinsky is saying in these emails, right? Yeah, but what is clear, and I think what is most compelling in Tony's uh, messages is The Chinese are clear. They are not doing a deal in this case with Hunter Biden. They are doing a deal with the Biden family. Mm -hmm. Uh, And one of the communications involves a $5 million loan, which Senator Johnson's committee demonstrates actually went to Hunter Biden. A $5 million loan, forgivable, non-secured loan from the the chairman of the CEFC, which is this PLA-linked company, going not to Hunter Biden, going to the Biden family. 
So this is not a Hunter Biden story. This is a Biden family story. And that certainly puts Joe Biden front and center. Yeah, for sure. And that's exactly what the president tried to do last night to say, look, this isn't Hunter Biden and corruption. This is Joe Biden uh, and corruption for sure. All right. Uh, stay right there, Peter. We're going to come back, talk a little bit more about what's coming now. What could be the next shoe to drop, if you will? CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome back, everybody, to The Water Cooler. We are joined again by Peter Schweitzer, uh, author of Profiles in Corruption, has detailed this Hunter Biden, Joe Biden corruption uh, situation and has been navigating it for a while. Peter, you're, you've been navigating. Speaking about navigating, I mean, you're up to your eyeballs, I guess, in emails. Tell us what you are starting to find out, or is there another shoe that we think might drop here? What's, where is this story going? Can you give us a sense? Uh, yes. Um, uh, the emails that we have come from Bevan Cooney. He was a business partner with Hunter Biden and Devin Archer, uh, one of uh, Hunter Biden's other business partners, on a series of things. Uh, Mr. Cooney is now in jail for his involvement in a, a bond fraud scheme. Uh, Devin Archer, Hunter Biden's other business partner, is also looks like he's going to jail for that scheme. And what these emails lay out that he's given us access to is what Hunter Biden's role was in their commercial operation. Um, and they were very explicit, uh, David, in their uh, emails that he's not bringing any money to the table. He's not even bringing any expertise. Uh, it's the name, it's the access and the ability he has to sort of grease the skids uh, for the company. So they, they talk about the fact that, um, that their deals are, are enhanced by what they call the quote unquote Biden lift. And the Biden lift is the Biden name, given that, that he's vice president at the time and they're trying to do deals in China. Uh, they talk about how he is the avenue for them into the administration. So it clearly demonstrates the pattern of behavior that we've been talking about for a while. And we're going to have some more reporting coming out on some of the deals that they had involving China, the role that the U.S. embassy played at the time. Remember, the ambassador at that time is Joe Biden's friend, uh, former Senator Max Baucus. It shows more and more how this deal was intertwined with the government apparatus of the Obama-Biden administration. You think that'll be out then before the election? Yes, uh, we are going through these emails, as you can imagine. Uh, we have all of them. Some of them are personal. Some of them are professional. So we're being very judicious about that uh, to honor Bevan Cooney's request. But yes, there will be stories coming out uh, repeatedly between now and, and uh, the next several months, frankly. But yes, we'll have many coming out before uh, uh, Election Day. And just so people, the casual observer can understand these stories in 20 to kind of give me the Reader's Digest version of what these stories ultimately you believe will show that are coming out. Uh, what they're going to show is uh, that uh, the Obama administration with Joe Biden as vice president of the United States was helpful to Hunter Biden securing deals, including getting approval by CFIUS the Committee on Foreign Investment in the United States that has to approve particularly sensitive transactions involving foreign governments. 
Uh, and they did so in the case of some deals that Hunter Biden was doing with the Chinese to acquire sensitive companies in the United States. Okay, well, that, you know, you major brownie points for summer, summing it up like that, because it's really complicated <laughs> stuff, Peter. Thank uh, I, I want to ask you what I thought was interesting on the debate stage last night. I don't think many people caught this, but he, uh, Joe Biden was asked about it being unethical and inappropriate what he was doing uh, or what right. Hunter Biden was doing. And here's what, I'm not going to play the sound, but I remember what he said. He said, it wasn't unethical, but he never didn't. He never said it wasn't inappropriate. I thought that was interesting. He never said it wasn't inappropriate, and and you get a sense there has been an eerie silence from the campaign about these emails and a lot of other other things out there. What does that tell you? The eerie silence. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they, they have not denied uh, anything. Uh, they just wanted to go away, and it's a classic maneuver, by the way, David. They say this is old news. Well, it's not old news. You haven't addressed it. You've never given a coherent answer. And as I talked about earlier in our, in our interview, uh, they've continued to move the goalposts from these deals didn't happen to Hunter wasn't involved to Joe didn't know. And now their fallback position is that Joe himself actually never got any money. Uh, I, again, don't take their word for any of this because they've continued to lie. Uh, but no, I think they recognize that this is a serious problem. The American people are concerned about corruption doesn't matter if it's a Democrat or Republican, because what corruption does, David, is it means that the political figures are no longer representing the people that put them in office. Mm -hmm. They're representing the interests and themselves. They're making decisions that are going to benefit the parties that are paying them, and they're going to benefit the candidates themselves. So it undermines the, the notion that we are an American republic and that they are representing the uh, American people in the first place. Yeah, it, it really is kind of fascinating to watch this whole thing. Peter, uh, at this point, is there anything that the, the Trump campaign or, or, or can say or do at this point? I mean, they kind of have thrown the kitchen sink uh, at, at not just the Biden campaign, but trying to make this an issue in the campaign. I do wonder about the China influence here, what voters might take away from this as it relates to what, what a Biden administration might be when it comes to dealing with China. Yeah, my view has always been, David, that the China deals are the most troubling because China has a pattern. We've seen it in New Zealand and Australia where they basically try to uh, curry favor and buy off the political class by giving them commercial deals. And Joe Biden has been so dovish on China, far more dovish than Barack Obama, than, than uh, you know Ben Rhodes, the national security advisor, far more dovish. Um, he says China's not a threat. In fact, when they set up the Biden Center at the University of Pennsylvania in 2017, David, they said America faced three national security threats. Number one was Russia. Number two was terrorism. Number three was climate change. China was never mentioned. As far as I'm concerned, that is not a coincidence, given the fact that the Biden family has raked in lots of money and lots of deals, courtesy of the Chinese government. Is this a black eye for the media, this whole situation? I mean, you as, a, as someone who is, you're an, look, you're an investigative reporter. I mean, you really are, and that's exactly what you're doing here. But the media just seems, it seems like Joe Biden says this thing has been debunked, that the New York Times uh, on high has declared that this whole thing has been debunked, and, and the rest of the media just fall uh, hook, line, and sinker for it. Yeah, and, and I honestly know that there are reporters at these publications that want to pursue this story, but uh, management has decided uh, that they're not interested. Um, I think that they have done more damage to themselves 
as institutions in the media by failing to cover these stories and also the manner in which they covered the you know the Trump Russia collusion story they have seriously damaged their credibility and I'm somebody you know who's read these newspapers as a subscriber for 30 years um, and these newspapers primarily the Times has really changed uh, everybody knew the New York Times was you know sort of center left and editorial but you knew that the reporters generally were trying to cover things pretty straight uh, they have clearly decided that their business model is by running in the lane of the sort of more woke crowd yep. you see that that when a reporter covers something straight they get shouted down yeah. by people in their own new newsroom it's a tragedy Peter Schweitzer, uh, great to see you. Thanks for all the information. And uh, boy, I tell you what, uh, keep on digging. That's what that's what you do. So thank you. It's great to see you, David, as always. Thanks. All, all the best. All right. When we come back, uh, we'll get the take from the Biden uh, folks. We have Biden surrogate Guy Smith with us to react to the debate and also all this Hunter Biden stuff. Back in a moment. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the water cooler, everybody. All right, we're talking about the debate, uh, obviously, from Thursday night. Got to do the day after coverage. And we've been doing it, uh, you know, pretty much all show long. A lot with Hunter Biden in the first couple segments. We want to bring in Guy Smith, uh, a Biden surrogate, uh, who's a, uh, we're going to call you, Guy, a friend of the show. I was just, look, a friend of the show, Guy. And uh, thanks for being here. I appreciate it. Absolutely a friend of the show. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Tell me your, uh, your thoughts on the debate last night. Let's begin with that. Well, I think it uh, gave American voters a stark contrast. I mean, today, this morning, uh, everyone is uh, congratulating Donald Trump for acting like an adult, and uh, he, he largely did. And, uh, and he gave a very dark uh, picture of his vision, if you could call it that, for, for America. And Joe Biden gave uh, a calm, dignified, uh, inclusive leadership vision and that gives Americans a choice, and they're going to yeah. take it. And if you look at where people are based on all kinds of measurements, uh, including a lot of Republican operatives talking this morning, like Frank Luntz, who you have on, um, Biden's going to win. Hmm. Well, we'll see. I, I, I can tell you this. Here's where I think the blind spot could be for the Biden campaign. Uh, Trump does have, you know, I know he's got a lot of faults, but there is a spidey sense that Trump has to kind of kind of understand a little bit of what's going, what lies beneath in the American electorate. And I, I wonder if people are getting a little stir crazy with the COVID situation. I know, obviously, 220,000 people have died. Uh, we've got cases on the rise. But people don't want to be locked up for a while and, and, or for, for this long of a time. And I'm just wondering, that's what Donald Trump was talking about last night. Uh, Joe Biden was talking about a dark winter. That's Those are the words he used ahead. And I, I just wonder, Guy, if that's not going to come back to, to hurt the Biden campaign because people want to feel like there's hope rather than you better buckle down for the dark winter. Well, yes, of course there's hope. And the reason there's hope is because if you follow Dr. Fauci's guidance and the other public health officials, mask, social distancing, and wash your hands. 
It isn't complicated. We will have a vaccine, not by election day, like Donald Trump said last night, that's misleading, but we will have a vaccine and it will be safe. And until then, we just need to follow some guidelines. And when you don't follow guidelines, people get sick and die. And we're seeing now, remember the Woodward tape, we talked about this the last time. Right. Play it again. He lied to the American people. And he, he, and he sells Woodward, it's deadly, and goes on in TV and again last night, well, it's going away. Well, it isn't going away yet. And the reason it's not going away is because he keeps doing these super spreader events around the country. And we saw what happened at the White House. People yeah. got sick. He got sick. His family got sick. Well, this is, this is the, the choice. The American people are not stupid. They get it. Of course, nobody wants to be locked in their house all the time. Of course they don't. But there's, a, there's some serious leadership that we need to get through this. And we haven't seen it. And people don't believe him. They don't think he has any credibility. And, well, and you know, it's not my poll that says that. It's not a Biden poll that says that. It's you guys. Trump lives yeah. in the right-wing kaleidoscope. You know, your colleague there from Breitbart that was just on. I mean, that's, it's just nonsense. Well, it has picked up some steam in the mainstream media, but I, I do want to ask you a little bit about fracking because, you know, we have limited time, and, and that was a big contentious part of the debate. I got about a minute of this I want to play, and then I want to get your thoughts on the other side. Here it is, guys. Okay. What about fracking? All right, now, let me, now we let have me, have, to ask let me allow fracking. Vice President Biden I to respond. I never said I oppose fracking. You, you said it I, on tape. I did show the tape. Put it on your website. I'll put it on. Put it on the website. The fact of the matter is show he's flat lying. Would you flat. rule out banning fracking? I do rule out banning fracking because the answer, we need, we need other industries to transition to get to ultimately complete zero emissions by 2025. What I will do with fracking over time is make sure that we can capture the emissions from the fracking, capture the emissions from gas. We can do that, and we can do that by investing money and doing it. But it's a transition to that. I have one more question excuse in this pod. Excuse and then we, me. We have he was against fracking. He said it. I will show that to you tomorrow. I Good. am against fracking. Until he got the nomination, went to Pennsylvania, then he said, but you know what, Pennsylvania? He'll be against it very soon because his party is totally against fracking it. Fracking on federal land, I said. No fracking you and or fracking. oil on federal land. Let me ask. Uh, Guy, so uh, Trump put up the, 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 the videos, and it's there. As a matter of fact, the Washington Post even says that Biden has said. He, I mean, it's clear that he said he was against fracking. Now, uh, I, I'm just curious to get your opinion on that. I know he's trying to you, split the difference on changed, federal lands. Go ahead. You ever changed your mind? You ever gotten more information and decided that maybe you need to refine your position? But did he change well, his mind from the debates till? Does it matter? Does it matter? He's been months? saying he's against fracking since he got the nomination. It, it's very clear. He's against fracking, period, end of discussion. But he wasn't, and, just so I understand, he wasn't against fracking during the primary, but he is against fracking now, is what you're saying. No, he, during the primary, he was against fracking on public land, still as opposed to fracking on public land. Mm -hmm. But not on, 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 on the others, it's not. 
It's just very simple. He's not going to ban fracking, period. End of discussion. He's not going to. Does that hurt him, do you think, uh, Guy? Because, uh, you know, I'm not sure if that's what they want to hear. Well, now they want to hear that he's not against frack banning fracking, but do they trust him in Michigan and, and Ohio and uh, well, Pennsylvania uh, and all these? I mean, that's that. he's got to have those votes. In Pennsylvania, there are 26,000 people that work in the oil and gas industry. They know about fracking. They know about Joe Biden. Remember, Joe Biden's from that area. So, and the and the if you're looking at trust factor, mm -hmm. just take the trust factor of Biden versus Trump. I mean, Trump changes his mind in the middle of a sentence. We look at what's going on with Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, and the White House and uh, McConnell and the on the stimulus package. You know, Trump was for it, then he was against it, then he was for it, then he wanted it bigger, but McConnell didn't want it bigger, and then he wanted it even bigger, bigger. <laughs> I mean, that, where, where is he really? He doesn't know where he really is. There's no plan, David. He doesn't have a plan. He doesn't have a vision. Last night, the last question, what would you say yeah. in your inaugural address? And he talks about a, a vast depression. And well, all he had, he likes to compare himself to Abraham Lincoln. Why didn't he talk about the better angels of our nature, which Lincoln did in his second inaugural address? And Joe Biden said, I'm yeah. going to be president for all Americans. I, I got to run, but you know we're going to continue this conversation. We'd love to have you back on before the election. Th thanks, Guy. All right, when we come back, COVID and Trump. Back in a moment. And welcome back, everybody, to the water cooler. Right, a lot of debate talk yesterday. It really could get a get a sense of both candidates. You had Trump on one hand saying that, you know, we're turning the corner. It's going to be OK. Let's band together Americans. Positive, positive, positive. And then you had uh, Joe Biden saying, get ready for the dark winter. It's like Darth Vader. Anyhow, let's uh, break some of that down. And we've, we want to bring in a former congressman, uh, Nan Hayworth. Uh, Nan, thanks for being here. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. My pleasure, David. Thank you. Well, uh, what did you think of the debate last night, especially as it relates to COVID and the contours of both candidates? It was really a stark contrast. Well, it was. And, you know, David, we saw President Trump, the, the fighter, you know, the, uh, uh, the man who is not afraid to uh, take on his adversaries in uh, the boldest way in the first debate. Uh, in the, this debate last night, the second debate, we saw President Trump, the statesman. Uh, he had a calm and measured tone, uh, which very accurately reflects the fact that he is a steady and resolute leader. And he was able, I am happy to uh, say, convey uh, effectively the fact that this was a worldwide challenge, the fact that this was a constantly changing, constantly evolving challenge, and that he has listened to the science. He has had to take in an enormous spectrum of views, and he has led the response combining the healthcare sector, industry, and government effectively to meet this challenge. He did a very good job. You know, it was interesting. It was funny because Joe Biden saying, this is what we do. We do this. We do this. We do. I'm thinking, wait a minute. Hold on. It's, it's all been done. I mean, that's right. exactly what Trump did. Anyhow, we'll talk about that in a moment. <laughs> but I want to play Joe Biden from last night. He talked about the, I always want to say it like this, the dark winter ahead. Uh, here's what he said. We're about to go into a dark winter, a dark winter. 
And he has no clear plan, and there's no prospect that there's going to be a vaccine available for the majority of the American people before the middle of next year. Well, you know, the vaccine came up. You're, you're the first uh, congresswoman, uh, first as in as it relates to being a female physician in Congress. I mean, you you know the deal from a medical standpoint. What do you make of this whole vaccine and what the what Biden is saying here? Uh, well, he's he's again, as you say, uh, David, he's uh, the only things he can do in terms of a quote unquote plan would be to reiterate what President Trump has already been doing, rightly. Operation Warp Speed, which of course Joe Biden saw fit not to mention, is an unprecedented acceleration of medical science. And we will have a vaccine quite possibly by the end of this year. That is entirely thanks to the fact that President Trump has a deregulatory mentality. He removes barriers. He doesn't mm -hmm. place new mm -hmm. ones while still keeping uh, fully in mind that safety and efficacy are key. So this president has led the way to uh, the solutions that we need in both therapeutics and a vaccine. And he also pointed out, David, which is crucial, uh, the survival rate for this virus is 99%. Uh, that is not how we shut down a country. We have, and he mentioned, he mentioned, he emphasized this as he should, we have a country that must run. We cannot rely on one variable to determine everything we do. Yeah. Very important point. Yeah, it's like it's like we're quarantining the healthy and not and not the sick, which is obviously a concern. Yeah. Hey, uh, Congresswoman, I want to ask you a little bit about um, uh, suburban moderates, if you will, and some or maybe soft Republicans, those soft R's we hear about. I, I thought personally, I kind of agree with you at the beginning what you said about the president's performance last night. I wonder if that secured and helped him uh, as we lead up to election day here with some of those soft R's uh, to, to come across more presidential, uh, unlike the first debate where he was like on a five hour energy drink times 20. Yes, I, I would I would certainly uh, say that those who wanted to hear, uh, you know, th that the softer side of President Trump uh, definitely uh, had a, a very strong performance last night. And and look at the contrast between President Trump and Joe Biden, who does stumble, who clearly fabricates, who either cannot recall or denies his record on so many things he said, including what he said about COVID, including what he did to criticize what was praised by the president for protecting the nation at the earliest moments of COVID. Uh, this was a president in whom we can have confidence that he will ensure that we can work and live and sustain our families and have our retirement funds, our 401ks, actually rise in value instead of descend. Yeah. These are the crucial issues that concern every family. Yeah, and speaking about families, I want to ask about Moms for Safe Neighborhoods, something you are heavily involved with with some other key influential uh, conservative leaders. Tell me a little bit about that, because we hear Donald Trump talk so much about uh, the suburbs. They're, they're coming after you. The suburbs are under attack. And I, I know you have a real concern about what we're hearing from the Biden-Harris, or as Kamala Harris might say, the Harris-Biden uh, administration. Yes. Talk to me about That's that. Yeah. So Moms for Safe Neighborhoods concentrates on the crucial issue of public safety, public safety for all Americans, David. It's it's not merely about the suburbs. But when we talk about the suburbs, of course, one of the things that we concern ourselves with is local control. And that's what the president's talking about when he talks about uh, what HUD was doing 
uh, under Barack Obama. HUD was actually coming into our suburban areas, our towns from Washington and seeking to control how we zone them. That is a violation of everything that Americans cherish about their opportunity to live where where they choose and to determine how their neighborhoods are formed. And as the president has rightly said, this is not an issue uh, that has to do with any single person's identity. This is something that involves every demographic in the United States. But Moms for Safe Neighborhoods is also crucially concerned, as I mentioned, about the kind of public safety issues that we saw come to the fore over the summer when Kenosha, Wisconsin uh, burned halfway to the ground, uh, you know, that's Main Street USA. And that could come to any one of our neighborhoods if uh, we defund our police, if we disregard public safety, if we don't stand with the men and women who make it possible for us to live our lives, whatever neighborhood we live in, in safety and security. And only yeah. President Trump yeah. is supporting them. Former Congresswoman uh, Nan Hayworth, really appreciate your time. Great insight today. Thank you. I hope you'll come back. Thank you. I'd love to come back. Thank you. All right, great. And by the way, that is the best looking Skype shot I think we've had on the show today, I just want to say. And I'm just, so you're getting an award. I don't know what it is, but it's coming in the mail, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, when we come back, uh, our last sip, the time for the analysis portion of the program, though we kind of have some snarky analysis throughout the whole show. But we really have some high level snarkiness in a moment. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back, everybody, to the water cooler. Time now for the last sip. Um, so if you're Joe Biden, uh, you know, he's a gaffe machine. Have you heard? Right. So he's had plenty of gaffes of this election cycle. And it really it goes back all the way to 1972 or the Civil War, whenever he was. He's been around since, I believe, Reconstruction, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but if you hang around Joe Biden long enough, you start to sound like Joe Biden because you start to commit gaffes. Uh, for example, Kamala Harris. Um, we're looking at over 220 million Americans who just in the last several months died. 220 million Americans have died just in the last few months. So at that rate, we're all going to be gone by Tuesday of next week, uh, FYI. And uh, so if that's the case, this has been a great time hosting the show. God bless and good night. Uh, hopefully we're back next week, the way Kamala Harris at least explains it. Uh, which obviously is an oigavolt moment. I mean, this is what Joe Biden has done, and now Kamala Harris is committing gaffes, and apparently Biden's still going to win in a landslide, according to all the polls, so we're going to see. But as for the debate uh, the other day, that was interesting for sure. I said the other day, it was just last night. Uh, Kristen Welker was pretty good. I mean, she was, uh, you know, the NBC News moderator, and honestly, but after Chris Wallace, I mean, you know, you can only go up from there, and Steve Scully, well, we don't want to talk about that. So, you know, she was fine, uh, though she did interrupt uh, Trump a lot when he was trying to talk about Hunter Biden and the emails, but we'll give her a pass a little bit on that. Uh, but what I thought that Donald
Donald Trump did very, very well last night was be able to say, look, Joe, you've been around since, like I said, Reconstruction, and you've gotten nothing done. Here's a sampling of that. President, he had eight years to do what he said he was going to do. And I've changed without having a specific we got rid of catch and release. We got rid of a lot of horrible things that they put in and that they lived with. But he had eight years he was vice president. He did nothing except build cages to keep children in. By the way, that was a real effective moment by the president last night. You know, hey, Joe, who built the cages? Joe, who built the cages? Joe, who built the cages? And by the way, I know I just said it three times. So did President Trump. He said it three times as well. Uh, it was very compelling. But I think what was more compelling is this theme, right? This theme that Joe Biden has been around forever, has gotten nothing done. If he sticks with that theme, that could be a very powerful message going down the home stretch here before the election. The question is with Trump, and it's always the question with Trump, will he stay on message? Let's be honest, the answer is no. We know he's not going to necessarily stay on message, but can he do it for just 10 days? That's what MAGA Nation wants. We'll see if it happens. We're back in a moment with Sophie Mack. Welcome back to The Water Cooler, everybody. Uh, the end of the show, but let's just be clear. It might be the end of the show, but this could have been in the A block. This is big news, and it has to do with President Trump, Israel, and Sudan, and Middle East peace. To break it all down, uh, justthenews.com, Sophie Mann here. Sophie, hello. Hi, David. So uh, this, is, this is huge. This is big news today. Breaking news. Um Early this afternoon, mm -hmm. the White House has announced that Israel and Sudan have agreed to normalize relations, as we've wow. seen Israel do with several Middle Eastern neighbors over the past couple of weeks. This mm -hmm. is um, similarly to those deals. This has been a U.S. Uh, Trump administration brokered plan. Um, this one, a little bit differently than the others, has some contingency points for Sudan's relationship with the United States, which hasn't always been quite as pristine as those other countries mm -hmm. have been with America for the past couple of years. So basically, Sudan's relationship with the United States deteriorated in the 90s uh, when they were um, faulted for harboring uh, Osama bin Laden, um, right. the leader of al-Qaeda at the time. Um, and this, so on Monday, President Trump said that uh, Sudan will be removed from a list of nations that we consider to be um, terrorist-sponsoring nations if they pay off some amount of money that are, is owed to the victims of those uh, bombings in the 90s. Uh, they've done that now. Friday, this is the surprise announcement coming out of the White House, yeah. um, the third such, as I said, in the last couple of weeks to be added to the Abraham Accords. Um, and, you know, we're 11 days out from an election, one Scaramucci cycle. Uh, this is big for that to be happening just just weeks before. Yeah, I remember talking to Ambassador David Friedman, the U.S. Yeah. Ambassador to Israel, who told me a couple months ago, get ready for a couple other countries to, to join. We yes. saw what, so it's UAE, it's Bahrain, and now Su Sudan. Yeah, that's and right. Do we yeah. expect any, who knows? I mean, we don't know. Saudi Arabia, of course, is the big. Saudi Arabia is definitely yeah. on the table. I mean, the Trump administration continues to hint. They've not given us so many details um, after each deal as to who the next country will be. But mm -hmm. I think that we can look at some of the likelier prospects and see. I mean, at this point, the election is really coming up in, in such short order that who knows if anything will happen. But I mean, you know, like last night was our last debate. And this morning, this is happening. Anything could really turn around in this past week. It's interesting because mm -hmm. um, the achievement of all of this, this Middle East peace, really wasn't spoken about so much during the debate last night. But we'll right. see if it's something voters care about. Um, 
one week from Tuesday. We'll leave it to Trump. You know, oh, I got a peace with Sudan and Israel, and you know, yeah. then I got something. And it's helter skelter. You never know what it's going to be. Very so true. thank you, Sophie. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right, uh, that does it for uh, this show. It's a pretty exciting show, if I do say so myself. Uh, on Monday, we've got the former chief of staff to President Trump. There are many of them. I'm <laughs> just kidding. Uh, Mick Mulvaney is one of them, and he'll be here on the big show. Have a great weekend, everybody. See you Monday.